1: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brickenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So I mentioned this story yesterday, but I wanted to explore it a little a uh, little more deeply here. The idea of allowing rough play at recess. Obviously, we are in need to be concerned about violence. We need to be concerned about bullying, kids getting in fights, kids getting beat up. But there's a pretty obvious distinction to be made between playful roughhousing and actual violence. So while the pendulum has swung in the direction of recognizing bullying, recognizing the harm of violence, maybe it's swung too far. So you get a couple of elementary schools in Quebec that are experimenting with supervised rough. Play zones in the schoolyard. Maybe seems a, a little too uh, constructed, but it's it's something at least. So essentially, again, you get an area outside that's uh, outlined by cones. So kids don't have to be a part of it if they don't want to. And there are some strict rules. So they're allowed to wrestle, fall on top of each other, roll around on the ground. There's There's no hitting or kicking or biting or anything like that. So kids need to be willing to be a part of it. They got to follow the rules. If someone says stop, the kids have to stop, this sort of thing. Uh, but the principal at one of the schools says, so far anyway, they've, they've noticed a real difference. That for some kids, it's a way to burn off even more energy than they otherwise would. And finds uh, that, that those kids tend to be calmer in class. So joining us to talk a bit more about this idea and, and how we should feel about the idea of kids roughhousing. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Dr. Mariana Brassoni, Associate Professor of the Department of uh, Pediatrics, School of Population and Public Health at UBC, also an investigator at the BC Children's Hospital Research Institute. Professor Brasoni, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program.
0: Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: All right. Well, let me get your thoughts first of all. What do you make of uh, what, what these schools are experimenting with?
0: Well, I, I think it's a great start. You know, it's it's really been pushed out of schools in terms of allowing any sort of what's perceived as as aggressive behavior, uh, not understanding that in fact it's a really important part of play and it's, and it's really not about aggression at all. Um, and so the fact that the school is trying to make a space for it to bring it back and see what they can do about it, I think is very promising. Um, yeah. I do think that there are ways that they could, they could do it uh, differently or, or evolve as they go on, but it's, it's a great start.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that's a good point. In terms of of recognizing the value of roughhousing and not equating it, as you say, with more harmful forms of violence, I mean, how do you define it, first of all?
0: Uh, in terms of roughhousing, well, it's it's really what we call risky play, um, and risky play is really just the kind of play that any of us used to do when we were kids, and we've we've had to investigate it further and put a label on it as mm-hmm. time has gone on as scientists, just because it's increasingly the kind of play that kids aren't allowed to do, um, and it not only includes roughhousing, but it's even things like climbing really high or or. Uh, playing with, you know, building forts so you're, you're using tools and, uh, or even uh, playing near dangerous elements like fire and those sorts of things. Those are things that we just naturally did before that are now much harder for kids to get access to an opportunity for. Um, and in the case of, of roughhousing and these other kinds of risky play, we know that they are really important basic building blocks for children's health and development. Um, and so we really need to make spaces for them.
1: Yeah, well, and, and it's interesting because obviously then the common thread through all of those things is, is this fear that if, what if something bad happens? What if a child gets hurt?
0: Hmm. Exactly. And I'm actually an injury prevention researcher. And so I spend a lot of time looking at the injury statistics. And, and what we find is that, uh, the, you know, the number one really important message to get across is that kids don't die from play. Um, and they haven't, right for years and years and years. It's really, really rare for anything. And even before, it was very rare for kids to die from play. And in terms of serious injuries, those are extremely rare as well. Uh, and so we're quite worried when, in fact, the statistics don't um, don't show that those fears are, are really rational or, or okay. Um, because the worst that can happen, really, uh, typically all you get is, like, bruises and bumps, which, which are really not that big a deal and, and can also provide a form of learning for kids to understand their body, other people's bodies, and how the world works.
1: Right. And that's something that the kids need to learn, don't they? They need to be able to, to take risks so they can test their own boundaries, right? Learn about the world.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the way we see it is that it's actually an injury prevention mechanism because as they're taking these risks, they're learning how the world works. They're learning risk management skills that they can then apply to other situations. If they have adults telling them, don't do this this is safe, that's not, stop, uh, you know, be careful, then what they're learning is that they're not capable and competent of doing things and of managing things themselves, that the world is a dangerous place that they can't deal with and that they need an adult to do it for them. So how are they going to learn those skills that they can apply in other situations?
1: Right. And there's that real paradox, isn't there, that the world is much less dangerous, but maybe it's perceived to be more dangerous.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, if you look at the injury statistics, it's never been a safer time to be a child than it is right now. The statistics have never been lower. Um, and this is mostly due to, to uh, car safety, uh, which has always been a leading killer. Um, and so but yet we all think that it's so dangerous and you know part of that is perhaps that we're always getting feeds through media and you know of the of the latest horrific thing that's happened around the world but when we look close to home in fact these kinds of really scary horrible events don't happen they're really rare and we shouldn't be controlling kids so much in anticipation of what's actually quite unlikely
1: so getting back to the idea of allowing more roughhousing uh, at, at a recess, what they're doing in Quebec, it does seem like a very controlled and regulated way where you've got cones and it's a specific zone and there's all kinds of rules and supervisors, et cetera. What, what would be a, a, a better way of, of encouraging this sort of thing in your view then?
0: Yeah. And one, it's, I haven't visited the site, so I don't know what sure. they're like, right. uh, but in terms of what I've read and seen, um, you know, it, play is supposed to be spontaneous and it's driven by the child. Um, and so when you have specific zones, it, to, to my mind, it might seem a little odd for kids to just kind of stop and say, okay, well, you know, we're interested in roughhousing now, so let's go over to that zone. Yeah. Um, And we also know that kids play quite differently when they're being kind of monitored and and supervised. And it sounds like it's providing quite close supervision there. Um, And so, you know, I don't know how much kids will feel the freedom to actually play the way they want to play and to feel like they can, you know, really test out their bodies and other people's bodies and develop those risk management skills when they know adults are right there to stop the play or to to direct them. Uh, It just wouldn't be quite as natural. And, in fact, might take the play out of play.
1: It might. I mean, perhaps a, we almost know, need to recondition kids that this is okay. Uh, and, and maybe as they start to learn that we're, we're not going to uh, you know, admonish them for all of this, maybe it will start to come a, a little more naturally to them.
0: And that's the hope, you know, as kids get more freedom, then they start to trust themselves more and they feel like they can push it a bit farther. And and maybe also as the teachers have more experience with these zones and see how the kids behave, that they can also, um, you know, step back a little bit and allow uh, a little more freedom to go on in these spaces.
1: Yeah, well, as you say, I mean, it's a, a step in the right direction. So maybe, maybe the pendulum is swinging back the other way that we are starting to recognize that as much as we want our kids to be safe, as you say, there, there's some risks with being overprotective.
0: Absolutely, and we really need to recognize those risks because we we are experiencing now the the effects of this overprotective parenting on on children um, as they grow, um, and so we're learning more and more about how important it is to really provide these opportunities for kids. So I'm very glad to hear that uh, that things are changing.
1: All right. Well, uh, more at uh, your website, more of your work. It's uh, brossonilab.ca. Professor Brussoni, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.